Okay. All right, this is Dr. Eric Greenberg, and uh, this is a special episode of my podcast. And I have with me today um, one of my students at Loyola Marymount. He is in my World Religions in Los Angeles class, uh, but he is uh, born in Myanmar, living in Myanmar. He is a Myanmar national. Um, and I want, uh, I want to make sure that our viewers know what's going on in Myanmar, because I know that Americans sometimes are just oblivious of what goes on outside of the United States. And I've always said that uh, anything that goes on in the world, we all should know about, because it always affects everybody. Just because it's not directly next door to you doesn't mean that it's not going to affect you. We're all affected by things going on. So uh, my student, um, and we're going to just give his first and middle name uh, to protect his, uh, his safety, because there are some really horrifying things going on in his country, and we want to protect his safety. Um, but his name is Ang Kant. And let me know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I want to be respectful of, of that. Yep. Right. Okay. And um, so he's, uh, and, and so so let's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just uh, jump right in. Um, I think that's enough introduction for the viewers. Um, but uh, please remind me what year you are in school. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a sophomore. Okay. Sophomore. sophomore. Yeah. And what's your major? Uh, I'm majoring currently in business and leadership. Okay. Business and leadership. All right. And um, and so just to to let the viewer know, we've decided to keep Ang off camera for his safety because he is living in a dictatorship right now and we want to preserve his safety. But we also decided not to have the uh, the black screen with the nameplate instead because it might kind of give the the the, uh, the viewers just a sense of unreality and we want to give you a sense of reality that this is a real life human being uh, who is uh, dealing with some really horrible things going on there's there's his hand so you know he's a person and we're going to hear his voice so but I want to thank him for taking the time to talk with me about this and trusting me to try to get the message out um, as he has said to me a number of times in the last couple of weeks this is information that people in the world need to know about. So, uh, so we're going to take a little time and, and talk about what's going on and, and we'll, we'll describe things that um, we're not going to presume that the average viewer knows exactly what's going on. We're going to try to deal with things on a very basic level and describe to the, to the general viewer what's going on in Myanmar right now. So, uh, so Ang, uh, talk to me a little bit about, um, about the background of, of, uh, of the military junta and uh, you know, and why this is so important, what's been going on recently, you just feel free to talk to your heart's content and I'll just ask some questions from time to time. Yeah, so the military control of the government is not really something new for our Burmese people. Uh, we have been under a military, uh, military regime since 1962 when uh, civil, so, uh, a civil war broke out between ethnic groups and which is still uh, we are, our country is still currently in that civil war where we are known, uh, it is known as the longest civil war in the history. So mm. ever since then, uh, we have been under a military regime. And, but then in 1988, there was uh, what is known as the 888, and, uh, which was done on August the 8th of 1988 revolution where mm. hundreds and thousands of people went on the streets and took a, uh, took a strike against the government. And this force, uh, this force uh, was the commander in chief then General Ne Win to step down. And 
that uh, this was also this all uh, in 1988 this also created the birth of Aung San Suu Kyi and her and and her political party of NOD and so in 1990 the military dictatorship uh, agreed to hold a democratic elections and in 1990 uh, NOD and Aung San Suu Kyi won by a landslide but then the military cr uh, cried foul and arrested her mm. and uh, Junta Junta Tan, Tan Shui, uh, was in power in took power since then since um, 2010 yeah and in 2007 there was another revolution called the saffron revolution where buddhist monks led the led the revolution against the hunter as uh, prices rose and our living standards just got worse only then uh through 2007's protests and uh international sanctions and pressure they, they decided to finally hold uh, they, they, they decided to build the constitution in 2008 and hold another elections in 2010, where you could say it was the birth of our quasi uh, Burmese democracy. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, on, since 1990, Aung San Suu Kyi was arrested, but only in 2011, she was released. So she and her, her NLG party uh, once again ran the election in 2015. But um, uh, 2015, and they won by a landslide. And this time, the military didn't cry foul. And in 2020, here we have our another election where NLD won by 82% of the votes. But as you have seen, uh, the military has said this is election fraud and has uh, unlegitimately un uh, un uh, has taken coup over the country right so what is important to notice also that these in 1988 and 2007 the revolutions were brutal and bloody mm. where thousands were in 1980 thousands of people and mostly students were killed uh tens were beheaded in public so that so that people wouldn't come out and protest the next day in 2007 where uh, Myanmar is known to be a 90% Buddhist country where Buddhism uh, basically prevails above everything. Soldiers mm -hmm. open uh, fire on Buddhist monks, which totally shifted our, totally, how to say, it was one of the uh, darker, darkest days. And now in 2021, yesterday, the military has opened fire in uh, Mand Mandalay using snipers and rifles killing killing at least two and wounding at least uh two dozen so wow yeah yeah so so, so the violence has i mean full-scale violence has has returned people have have been killed um as you had said they've crossed a line yes. it's it's no yeah. longer just maybe some beatings and maybe some arrests we're talking about people who've been been killed in cold blood at this point yes yeah so what is really uh, important to notice, though, is that this revolution, what is what is really different is that the internet is here. Mm -hmm. Social media is here. That is really different from what has happened in 1988 and 2007, where we were limited to no access at all. So, like, um, in this year, uh, in this revolution, uh, like, this kind of reaction of 
when two or three people are dying would, ha would have never happened in previous revolutions. So we are hoping through the internet and um, through the footages, uh, there will be a change from the brutal, the brutalness of the government. Right. So you're saying that in previous, uh, in previous revolutions, um, people would not have had as much of a reaction to a few people uh, being killed, you're saying, because maybe because it wasn't broadcast on the internet, if I understood you? Yes, because, yeah, yeah exactly. Because right. there were, as I understood you, there were more people killed in the previous revolutions. Uh, and, and forgive me, I haven't memorized all the dates yet, but the one where people were beheaded, was that 1988, if I heard you? Yes, 1988. Yeah, so how many, approximately how many people were, were killed at that time and beheadings and things? Uh, like due to very inaccurate data, uh, I would say the most accurate data would be from my parents who actually lived through, experienced it. Uh, mm. But they would say at least three thousand people were wow shut down. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of yes. people. So, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. So in um, nineteen eighty eight, um, to 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 make their to make uh, their military dictatorship and the coup legitimate, what they did was these tactics of creating and inciting riot and panic in the, um, in the city. So what, what they did in 1988 was release uh, tens of thousands of prisoners. And then these prisoners would open and loot, uh, loot, the, uh, loot the shops, the markets, in intentionally to create violence and to in, uh, to cause chaos. Mm. So only then when the whole city and the whole country was in chaos and uh, the, the military made themselves look like as if they were the only one who can keep the peace. Right. And that, that legitimized their power then. And the crazy thing is they are trying that again in 2021. They have once again released over 23,000 inmates just last week. And now... There has been footages of these inmates uh, uh, using Molotovs, having knives, having batons, and they're just being randomly dropped off into city townships by the police. So now, ever since last, uh, the last two weeks or a week and a half, every neighborhood has set up a, a neighborhood watch. Everyone has become basically vigilantes looking out for these uh, inmates. And also, it, it's crazy to believe this, but I see the police and the military, it's, they don't work for the people. They work for, they work for one family and their friends. They work for a senior, they work for the Junta Min Ong Lai and his family. That is what is really important to know. These cops and these military are not the people's military. They are not protecting the people. They mm. only follow orders. So they are basically working for a group of family and their friends. Mm. So, and what is the name once again? Min Ong? Klein. So H-L-A-I-N-G. I'll type it out in the chat. That'd be great, yeah. Okay, Klein? Fine. Okay. And so, that's the name of the general who is essentially that they're working for? 
Yeah, the commander okay. in chief. The, 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 the one who orchestrated the coup. Hmm. So, what uh, what we believe uh, what at first what started was they started uh, the police and the military started doing night arrests. So, ever since a week of the coup and protests, they announced uh, Article One Four Four, which is the martial law. Um, we are not supposed to go out between eight and eight p.m. to four a.m., and we are not. Uh, we are not allowed to group up with more than people of five. Hmm. So yeah, so this basically means like protests are illegal, basically. But hmm. then, ever since the martial law, these how do I say these these people are so low low life that only after announcing those laws, they started arresting the protesters and they started arresting the people, the government workers who were on strike at night. So the defense mechanism that every township had was when they were uh, creeping in or when they see some police cars, everyone would pot, uh, bang their pots and pans to scare them away. Hmm. But then uh, ever since like the third night, night guards had to be put in place. And it is crazy where I'm living in a country where the people are arresting the police oh, for, wow. trying, for trying to like illegitimately uh, arbitrarily detaining from arbitrarily detaining a person. Mm. So over two weeks now, we have had sleepless nights and combined with the 20,000 inmates uh, being released, those type of things, we, we believe, the citizens believe we are in kind of like a psychological warfare where, where they're trying to tire us, tire us out. And also ever since yesterday night, we have gone into a week of curfew style internet shutdown where our internet has been cut off from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. every night. And so think think about all the human rights they have actually uh, violated. Even for someone like an international student like me, my right to education has suddenly disappeared from this. Uh, these people are complete criminals and they have they are inhumane. That's what is important to know. Oh, and ever since uh, the protests uh, started get, getting riled up, they also amended and abolished three privacy laws, which has allowed them to uh, arrest anyone without a warrant, enter a home or search a uh, private property without, without any permission, and to, and to detain a person over 24 hours uh, without a judge or a court's approval. So, our basic human rights has basically also been lost, where now telecommunications also is also very, uh, we are very skeptical about it. So every, we have been using a, a VPNs and um, encrypted applications to uh, communicate with each other. Mm. Now, the other day you had mentioned to me, you, you, you uh, um... Uh, by the way, you, you were just on screen there for a second, so I just wanted to make sure you're a little careful about that. Um, the uh, You had mentioned the um, um, Aung San Suu Kyi uh, as the mother of our nation, you had mentioned. So I want to kind of highlight how how popular and how, how much support she has. Um, could you talk yeah. a little bit more about that? Yeah, totally. To be honest, she kind of has like this, not even like a mother complex, but like a 
God complex in Myanmar because her father was General Aung San, like he was a charismatic nationalist leader who who fought for who fought and gained independence for Myanmar from the uh, British colony in 1948. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened was just be- before gaining independence, he was assassinated, which then led to the chain of events that which I said, the civil war of 1962 and the political unrest that unfolded everything. Mm-hmm. So her, her, her father is already this um, how say, heroic figure, a, mo- a martyr in our eyes. So, and <clears throat> so when the military dictatorship took over, they treated Aung San Suu Kyi as if she was a daughter of nobody. She was exiled from the country where she had to, uh, where she had to, where she married uh, a British, a British person. And when she came back for when she, uh, when she came back to Myanmar, she uh, she realized that how how cruel and how brutal the junta was, and realized that if she ever left the country again, she would never be able to come back. Mm. That was a totally sure thing. So what happened was even during her husband's funeral, she couldn't leave the country to give a final visit Mm. just because she wanted to fight for a country. And one of her two sons, the the older one, still today resents her for leaving her, her, uh, leaving their father and leaving them and not even taking care of them. Mm. So these things. And uh, like I said before, in 1990, she was, Put under house arrest until 2010. So for 20 years she was under house arrest. So this is not like two weeks quarantine during COVID or anything like that. She was under house arrest for 20 years, and still after that she is still hopeful. She is still fighting for our country. She is still fighting for Myanmar. So that what that, that's what makes her our mother. She she is willing to give up anything. She's uh willing to fight for anything just to give our country a better future a better and just a better better hope yeah i want to make sure that people are aware of of the the um, the tremendous amount of support that she has or the very broad support uh because obviously as you said the the military regime is trying to paint a picture of of uh, uh election fraud um and that she did not have as much support as she actually has um, so if it's, it, so if it's really that obvious that she's so well loved, I want to make sure that people are aware of that, that this is not something that, that, uh, election interference could have, have just put in place a candidate overnight that did not have very broad support of the people. Yeah. This is not like, uh, this election was not like just a one trick pony. She right. has already won landslides in 1990, uh, 2015 and 2020. So it is not like she got lucky this time or this is just a straight up abuse of power just because the military has weapons and the people of Myanmar doesn't. So mm-hmm. what, uh, what it would be better to realize is that also us civilians have no firearms at all. It is not like um, what is it, America where we, we have no firearms, nothing. We have no anything that uh, that how to say that we can say is a gun only the military has the guns and the weapons and we believe 
that is the only reason they can uh they are taking over the country because they have no brains or no no nothing no smarts <laughs> yeah right by the way i'm going to share screen right now just for the viewers so that they can see a picture of Aung San Suu Kyi um just for visual reference it'll give us a little bit more uh uh you know just just a little more um uh, diversity on the screen so that we're not always looking at at the the empty screen so i'm going to share screen here um okay so can you see my screen as well yep okay so just for a moment we'll just show this uh, image of Aung San Suu Kyi um and remind me what is the the title that she holds i i know it's it's, it's sort of a different title other than president was it yeah. state councilor is that correct Yes, state councilor. So she is state our council. de facto leader. So mm -hmm. the constitution has been was actually written by the military government and junta. So mm. there are many things that actually favor them and shows that the military and the government are actually two different entities and that mm -hmm. the military actually has all the power. So <laughs> so the reason why Aung San Suu Kyi cannot be president is because of the xenophobic and very nationalistic rule that has been written in the constitution that says anyone who marries a foreigner cannot be a president. Oh, that's so interesting. These, those things were directly written. The constitution was made for the military, was made, it is made by them for them. So in the constitution, what you should also know is that they already, the military already hold 25% of the seats in the constitution without any votes, just by the law. Okay. And to pass a law or to pass a bill, you have to have 76% of the votes mm. of the parliament. So you can see how it was written by them for them. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so the military was always, you would say, above the, the civilian government. You could always say that. So mm -hmm. this then also, how do you say, translates into the, the uh, do we want to talk about this? Uh, the, the Rohingya atrocities. Where right. I, I wanted to ask was, about that. Thank you. Yeah. It was completely done by the military because they have this fear that if the ethnic minorities and the whole of Myanmar comes together, they can act, we can actually overthrow the government. So that deep fear has always made them um, oppress and bully the ethnic minorities. And yeah, these crimes, they're just done by the, these cruel people led by senior general Min Online. And only now the people of Myanmar has also realized how we didn't stand up for our ethnic minorities when we needed them. Only now we realize, oh wow, what what we what we're going through. Uh, other people of Myanmar, Burmese people, has gone through a lot worse. Mm. And so this also then comes back to Aung San Suu Kyi having to defend um, the military's action against these Rohingya, because as you can see, as you can see right now, if she had not defended and if she had openly um uh fought against the military the coup would have ha happened then the the yeah. our 
small wings of democracy would have just been clipped off since then. It would have even reached to here. And so that is why she had a bigger picture in mind for the all 50 million people of Myanmar. What she has been fighting for 50 years, she realized that she had to give up something. She had to give up the Western media's praise and hope for our people. But this has inadvertently led to the military still taking over as she has lost the reputation and her, yeah, on her untouchableness, I would say, from the yeah. past. It's as if it would have happened sooner or later and she just held it off for a period of time. Um, yeah, and, and I, I'm, I wanted to make sure that, that our viewers uh, really understand what had happened with the Rohingya. And is it appropriate to say Rohingya with a sort of a J sound? Yeah, Rohingya. Okay, because I, I didn't know that. So thank you for, for that. Um, so I, um, I was aware of the situation of the Rohingya back about 2017, because as you know, I do a lot of interfaith work. And one of my, my mentors and a close colleague of mine, uh, Mohammed Khan, uh, has been doing a lot of um, uh, work to try to raise awareness about what has been going on with the Rohingya. So in 2017, he actually brought um, the, um, uh, the former member of parliament of the Rakhine state, um, Shui Mong, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, but he, he brought uh, Shui Mong to the United States uh, or, or I guess he was he was on a tour to try to raise awareness about things, but he brought him to our area in Los Angeles and and uh, helped him to give a number of presentations and speeches. And so he he gave a presentation to a few of my classes, uh, talking about what was going on with the Rohingya. Um, as I understand it, he is now I guess he's in exile at this point. I don't know the exact details, but he's no longer a, a member of a parliament. Um, but uh, it, it, was, it was part of my purpose, my mission to try to raise awareness about what was going on with the Rohingya, the, the ethnic cleansing, the genocide, the approximately three quarters of a million Rohingya who had been displaced and pushed to the border and even over the border into Bangladesh, many of whom were brutally beaten, uh, women raped, uh, villages burned, even some murders in the process. Um, and so a lot of people were uh, were very critical of Aung San Suu Kyi. Even I myself, you know, I, I had said a lot of things about why can't she speak out and why isn't she doing more and how could this person who who's a Nobel Prize winner how could she be so silent about something so important? But I'm really glad to hear your point of view because it 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 gives us a little bit more of a three dimensional picture. It's not merely a person who has sold out, as they say. It's not merely a person who didn't care. There's a bigger picture involved. Um, and so I'm glad to learn about this. And I, and I, I have to um, humbly say, maybe I was wrong in terms of my criticisms of her, but it's a process of learning and we're, we're trying to learn the truth at this point. So, um, so, so thank you for bringing up the issue of the Rohingya and the fact that the, the Burmese people are now seeing how important this is that uh, you know, one ethnic minority being being oppressed, uh, it leads to everyone being oppressed. Yes. Like, yeah. the crazy thing right now is how, like, so the military built itself upon by saying they are the only institution that can keep Myanmar together or, like, have a peaceful Myanmar. What they have done is they have proven that inadvertently and not in the way they liked. They have actually proven because I have never seen my country and Myanmar 
be this united and be this civilized and just I, I like we have, I've never seen this much unity in my people where previously the marginalized people that I've seen many LGBTQ community people be extremely like how do you say badly treated but now everyone is fighting for the same cause and I've never seen this much unity and uh this much togetherness where this is certainly a revolution and we uh we don't know what the uh, future for Myanmar holds after this right um the situation you describe regarding the government creating problems creating terrible problems that only they can can fix like like starting riots or releasing thousands of of violent criminals to cause trouble so that the government will then round them up and and say see what we do see 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 how bad we can make it um, and we're the only ones who can control it it reminds me of a situation uh, that that um, we used to call protection uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this idea but where the mafia or organized crime in the United States where they would come into a neighborhood and they would bully the local business owners, the local uh, residents, and they would say, well, you know, you got to pay us money to protect you. Well, what are we protecting? What are you protecting us from? Well, you know, things happen. Things, bad things can happen. Well, it actually turns out they're protecting you from themselves. They're the ones who are going to come in and beat people up and break store windows and rob you and that sort of thing. So you're paying them. It's extortion money is what it is, mm -hmm. but they call it paying protection money. And that it seems like that's what the government is doing the the uh, yeah. uh they're they're acting like a, a mafia requiring yes. protection money <laughs> so yes. that they won't go and beat you up exactly now we we now we, like uh, a, a phrase we're starting to say is we don't even call them the military or government and we call them terrorists they're terrorists mm -hmm. they're not a legitimate government or anything. Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the, um, so primarily it's a Theravada Buddhist nation. Um, yes. And I know uh, there, there were some, some Theravada Buddhist monks who over the last several years were, uh, were I guess we would say, were promoting a certain level of, of nationalism yep. and violence against uh, the ethnic minorities, particularly the Rohingya. What do you hear coming from them today? Where, where do they stand in this? Oh, so... These, it is very, it's very saddening and tough when like the military has even corrupted the, the, the religion and the monks mm. where I would say, I don't even view them as monks anymore or like where I say disrespecting someone wearing a saffron robe is very big in our culture, but that has also shifted where uh, like this monk called Wiratlu, he was even on the times magazine yeah, yeah. Ash, ashin wiratu yeah, yeah we don't uh we, we don't we wouldn't even want to say as ashin that is like very oh. honor honorific so oh i see i see because, so yeah, very he completely defaced buddhism and now but the crazy thing is they are not working with buddhism they're basically pro-military mm. because what the military has basically like put themselves in the position and like preaching upon is that they're nationalists. They're trying to, trying to mm. keep this a Buddhist country. We need to preserve our Buddhism. We cannot let the Muslims in. We cannot let 
you know we cannot let the other religions take over that is that is what their stance is hmm. so these monks becomes the face of the buddhist side where oh yeah buddhism needs to be needs to prevail buddhism myanmar needs to be a buddhist country so even today ah i can show you can i share some can i share my screen yes uh if uh, it it should let you if not i will i will change it so that you can yes uh i'm currently trying to right now find what just happened the day before yesterday where a group of monks started to hit uh people on the road and people's cars wow so this is also we would say a tactic by the government to start religious um religious how to say disagreements yeah you see how peaceful monks are suddenly wielding weapons wielding batons to hit a car wow so these are the ways they like they try to create a lot of like psychological warfare against the religion you know against people each other so yeah i can show a lot of uh i can show also another clip here where so actually uh it's very if we talk so the new thing about this revolution is also what is known as the civil disobedience movement mm -hmm. we have never done this before and from the experiences of 1988 and 2007 the people realized that they have the weapons we cannot fight them head on when we when there's bloodshed it, it is only us we lose we lose both the battle and the war so this time what is happening is that government workers are going on strike civil disobedience movement where not, like from what we have heard at least 75% of the government workers have stopped working so paralyzing the whole system and leaving the government to actually govern no one so to combat that they, what they have done is uh those nightly arrests and now they have started straight up assaulting the civil disobedience movement protesters by raiding their homes and just attacking their houses and here you can see this is at a railway railway station in mandalay where for no reason against peaceful protesters uh, not even peaceful peaceful people who are just living at their homes they started firing shots so as you can see these are the men in uniform these are the mm -hmm. people who is supposedly have to protect us and are they throwing grenades i see one or two people throwing objects yeah uh these are i would say rocks some are firing rocks. shots and we have also heard uh tear gas okay yeah i saw someone using a slingshot to fire something yeah. i guess that's maybe rocks yes and okay. um yeah i can keep showing where you see so this is oh, yeah. the weapons they are threatening and using against yeah peaceful protesters right so this in yesterday where the brutal killings happened where these types of assault rifles are shown showing up at the protest yeah um, and now and I, i i know yeah. what that what that is because i have some experience with uh, with firearms in my history that's that's a sniper rifle that's the kind of thing you use uh long distance against people that's uh yeah, yeah that that's a dangerous weapon wow so and you, then and you see 
yeah, you see the brutality of our of our country. Where how do you say in Hong Kong they protest for nine months, and their casualty was two. Mm. We are only in the second uh, second or third week, and we already have three people shot and shot from the military. Right. So you see how things can escalate if there is no international event uh, intervention or international pressure. That is right. what the what the people of Myanmar is currently hoping for because we don't have any weapons. We we cannot fight them. So the only way we can is through international sanctions and pressure. Right. Yeah. And forgive me, I'm going to, from time to time, when you're showing photos or video, I'm going to describe them a little bit, just because I'm probably going to put this, uh, our, our discussion on an audio version on my podcast, as well as having a video version on my YouTube channel. I want to make sure this is out there in every possible format so as many people can see or hear it as possible. So I may take an extra second or so to describe what you're showing me. Um, yeah, so uh, so Ang is showing me all sorts of photographs from uh, from a uh, a Twitter feed right now. That's just examples of the violence. Um, do you want to describe what we're seeing here? I mean, I, I'm seeing thousands and thousands of people in this this photo. So these are the scenes from Yangon, the the biggest city. So uh, mm -hmm. where I'm currently living. So the crazy thing is, the Yangon is probably the most developed, the most modern city. They haven't really incited any violence to the protesters here of any kind. Because people here are protesting everywhere. So this is only one part of the protest. Now, a lot of protests are also happening in at embassies where, where I myself on most days are usually chanting and protesting in front of the US embassy, mm. the American embassy. So we believe only they can uh, put more pressure. And also for my own safety, like, like my, my belief is that even if we get harmed in front of the American embassy, that will be worth it. That will totally, definitely be, be on the news. <laughs> so right. that is the different ways of thinking we have been um, protesting. So you see here yeah. how, <laughs> how they claim election fraud, but then we, we, we show up like this as a yeah. response. This I'm, was, what I'm seeing is maybe tens of thousands of people in this square. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, it, if if there were election fraud, it it might be a couple of people. <laughs> it, it would be negligible. <laughs> yeah. So we have tried a lot of creative things throughout the week, where, so this is, um, car breakdown day, car breakdown movement day. So when people in the whole city, uh, acted as if our all our cars broke down. So. Everyone just, everyone just parked their cars. People had their hood, hoods up. Even bicycles pretended their <laughs> bicycles did not work. People had their hoods up, as you can see here. So, as you can see, we're really, it's sad to say, but we're hopeless and desperate that we, like, honestly to God, we have no weapons. So, we, the only thing we can use is our brain and our teamwork and our ingenuity to fight against this brutal regime. So we have been trying a lot of creative things so that we also get media attention where now posters are really, uh, they're, they're meant to catch the eye. People mm -hmm. have started to make it color coordinated like this. 
So then it is photogenic, things like that. This is brilliant. But, yeah, we, it has been really, really crazy. <laughs> yeah. So they haven't really uh, used brutal tactics in uh, Jiangong, but this is in Mandalay once again. And this was the past week. This is not before yesterday's killing, but this was when they used rubber bullets. And yeah, yeah. I see a sniper rifle right there. That's that's serious stuff. That's yeah. really serious stuff. They've got yeah. a long range scope on that. He's got a heavy barrel. That's that's designed to take take down people from a very long distance. That's not about crowd control. <laughs> that's not about defense. So yeah. Another crazy thing I need to uh, talk about is so the yes yesterday. Oh, I cannot find the picture. So yesterday, yesterday, uh, military troops that shot in Mandalay. So does this have a badge? Okay, this one doesn't. But there were photos of the what do you say? I'm not sure if it's district or in infirmary, like 77 or 66, like. They're battalions, right? Specific yeah, yeah battalions. I, it could be battalions. Their unit, we would say, just their particular unit. So not not particularly this one, but there have been a lot of photos circulating that yesterday, the 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 units that were deployed at Mandalay were were the ones responsible for the Indian massacre, the Rohingya massacre. So it is as if the 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 junta has basically said they are going to war against us now, hmm. because. Those type of people, those brutal people, are being deployed in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and here, this is the photo of the day from yesterday, where you can see how Burmese people. We we really have no resources. We're really poor. It is only our our heart and our mind that is valuable, and what we have. You can see how a person was shot. So, and the crazy thing yesterday was. The military, they even shot ambulances and they shot at. So they have actually committed basically war crimes. We have, we're actually saying they're even worse than ISIS where they don't even shoot the ambulance. But mm. our government, the people who are supposed to protect us, they're shooting the ambulance. So they, the ambulance couldn't come in. People grabbed the barrel and tried to wheel away uh, a person who was shot and wounded. Mm. You can see like how raw like we are how we have how we are just surviving we are a third world nation but we go through this we're having to go through this mm. now i'm i'm just uh, i wanted to ask you can you tell me some of the hashtags that we could use uh if yes. we are trying to spread this uh yes. what are some of the hashtags right now the biggest and the most trending hashtag would be um, hashtag what's happening in Myanmar. Okay. And uh, hashtag save Myanmar. Those two really would um, allow you to view information. Okay. I'm just writing that down for myself here. Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, uh, you can describe this video. So you can see how like, it's how is it? it is hard to comprehend our country because right now it is literally like lawless and like how do you say there is no one to protect us it is a lawless country right now you see how men in uniform are just 
And so what are we seeing in this in this video here? Because it's a little bit choppy, a little bit. Uh... Is this better? They're trying to arrest uh, 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 a pro-democracy protester. Okay. How... Okay, this is a little green. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it has it has it has only been three weeks, and a lot of our like people have died. A lot of our rights has been violated. Uh, we have, we are, people are filled with anxiety, anger, sadness. And what we're really wondering is these words, these, we condemn, we urge, we, we, we ask. These words from the UN, they, they, those are just words. This time, the question we want to ask is, how many more people have to die? How many more rights has to be violated before real action can be done? Before something actually that can affect us can be done? That, that, that is our main question right now, where we, we really don't want to lose hope from that. Yeah. Do you think that, um, that it would be helpful to have some kind of a UN peacekeeping force? Or do you think that you can... Uh, you can uh, solve this situation without it. Though, like, mm, the, the, even in our, even in my own family, we have having, been having arguments and debates about whether the U.S. military or like the UN peacekeepers would actually do any benefit. Where we actually, where we're scared, where they might, it might actually turn Myanmar into a like a blown up civil war country. Right. So we actually don't know what we even want, but like, so the problem is we believe, and not we believe, we know that China is kind of backing this, or usually has always backed the military government. That is how they have sustained and how they have um, lived through isolation before. So this time it is also really important on China's stance because Myanmar is very important for their Belt and Road Initiative where we're the ones connecting China and India. So mm. you see Myanmar is actually a very important country where we're in the middle of two mega like super nations, India and China. So there's a lot of potential to be made. So what we're waiting for is, I believe they have a UN Security Council meeting coming very soon. Only then we can, uh, we are hoping that Beijing will realize democracy is important for, for the Belt and Road uh, Initiative to work, to, for them to pass through here. So that is the only thing we can hope right now, because in previous times they have vetoed a strong use of words against the military government. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Belt and Road was, the, was what you said? Yeah, the Belt and Road Initiative. Okay, Belt and Road Initiative. Interesting. So, yeah, because I... I, I'm sorry. I always wondered what what are some of the, I don't know, the the exports or natural resources or things that Myanmar has that makes it important to other nations. Like what could we what could we use uh, to hold out against, uh, um, uh, you know, against the, these other nations who are supporting the regime? What can we say? Hey, you know, you don't have access to this if you don't if you don't have a stable Myanmar. So, uh, you, but like, so the countries like China have 
they have exploited through the military regime instead. So before, because 90% of the ruby and jade of the world comes from Myanmar. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. So you see those Burmese jades and rubies, though those are, so yeah, those comes from Myanmar. Teak, teak is very big in Myanmar, but what has happened that all these big industries, they've all been given to one or two persons and like, yeah. So the resource of, resources of the people were exploited for over 60 years. That is what mm -hmm. we're angry about, what we're fighting for. So then we finally mm -hmm. have a fair and equal chance of being like the same citizens. And, right. yeah. and we also so have- big river called Eyawadi, where it is capable to produce a lot of um, uh, electric for, even for neighboring countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, did you say the Eyawadi? Yeah, Eyawadi. Eyawadi, okay. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, I'm just wondering is, is if there were an opportunity for, uh, for foreign investors to invest in Myanmar's infrastructure or businesses, is that something that would help? Or, or yeah. would we potentially be investing in the wrong people? Would we be investing in the, in the, in the government-run uh, businesses? Well, yeah, so the last, I mean, after this revolution, like foreign investments, like, how do you say? Um, before, even in this past quasi-democracy 10 years, a lot of foreign investment came, came in. We finally had, you know, we finally had Burger King, <laughs> We finally had KFC, you know, the usual, the usual <laughs> showing that, oh, we're opening to the world. Mm. Yeah. So, but then the thing was that only the rich was getting richer because right. the military still kind of had power to do a lot of these things. So, but then after this revolution, at least one thing has changed. Now, everyone is disgusted at the military families. Everyone is boycotting military products. So like one of the products that is owned by the military is called Myanmar beer. They mm. actually like own 70% of the market share. But now that 70% has completely been boycotted. That has never, <laughs> these things have never been done before. Like where people before only looked at, oh man, come on, it's cheaper. Oh, it's tastier. I have to get it. But now the criteria is, is it owned by military or not? <laughs> so, so, oh, we don't know. That, that is what we mean. We don't know what the future holds for Myanmar anymore. It is suddenly right. so bright. Like now foreign investments can come in into free and competitive market instead of like, instead of, you know, the, instead of the, the general's friend, you know? Right. So right. it is, if we win this, it is, woo, we, we are very like, it, it will be something special because we also believe Southeast Asia hasn't had a true democracy country yet. Mm -hmm. Where, so we are saying we have to win this. If we lose this too, we are, we, we are back to being slaves of the country. Mm. So this, this is, that's, that is why it is very important. Like even people who used to be crazy, like how do you say, into like business, always about oh, how to find money, money. People have closed shops to support this movement. Like mm. everyone is coming together what we need is international attention. But I would also have to say, like this time though, a lot of international attention has been tremendous and I've been seeing a lot of articles actually being reported. And now 
uh, a lot of Western countries, America, Canada, UK, um, New Zealand has taken swift actions where America has frozen assets, made travel bans against uh, these generals. Mm, that's but, good. Yes, that is good. But like, they don't care about America. <laughs> right. They, what we that's why we need more international pressure on the ASEAN countries, the Asian countries where their assets and where the travel bans will actually uh, be effective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. You know, one thing that I think it might be helpful to do um, if, well, I, I, I think it's important for uh, US citizens and, and uh, uh, many of the people who might be viewing this to write letters or to make phone calls to their representatives, their, their Congress people, their senators, uh, the governors, even the president himself. But, but I, I think I would want to have some guidance as to what we need to ask for. Obviously, we can ask for, well, please pay attention to what's going on in Myanmar. Please don't support the military junta. But beyond that, what can be done? And so I think we need to come up with a, a petition or a, or a letter uh, that is very specific as to what should or should not be done by the U.S. government. What what will help the situation and what would not help the situation? And maybe that's something that you and I could talk about separately, um, yeah. in terms of just so so that if I were to send around a petition to people to share with their congressmen and to share with their senators, uh, that it would be specific as to specifically what they should be supporting or not supporting. What what the U.S. government actually has to do in order to help Myanmar, rather than just, as you said, uh, urging, condemning, and asking. You know, that, that only goes so far to, to use words, to urge, to condemn, to ask. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did want to point out uh, to the viewers, because I obviously I tend to do a lot of interfaith work. Most of what I do has to do with, with religion, religious tolerance, religious freedom, religious liberty. Um, this is a situation where Religion is not the cause of this. Religion is not the cause of the violence or the oppression, but religion is being used as a tool. From what you've told me, we have a, a corrupt government that is that has corrupted uh, the ranks of many of the, the Buddhist monks and turned them into essentially puppets of the military. And I've studied Buddhism. I've been studying Buddhism for years as part of my own academic uh, my own academic programs. And Buddhism is not supposed to be that way. Buddhism is not supposed to be nationalist. Buddhism is not supposed to be violent or pro-military. Oh. Buddhism is supposed to be essentially, at its core, a pacifist religion. Um, and so we're seeing very strange forms of Buddhism expressed in these extremists that you've talked about, like Wiratu and some of the other people that I've that I've read about who were trying to promote the kinds of genocide that we've seen since, uh, you know, at least since 2017. Um, yeah, like Wiratu yeah. was actually put in jail um, by the previous government, but then uh -huh. he, was, he was he was released by the 20,000 instantly, uh, the 20,000 release. He was already part of it. Yeah. The, so, the 20,000? Uh, inmates were released. Oh, I see. I see. He was one of them who was released. Oh, yeah, of course. All of, all of his friends, all of their friends were released. If we live, that is, that is the type of country we live where we have to, like, we have seen our parents, like, bear through these injustices and just having to live by unfairness and unequalness. Mm. That. That's why we believe we have to win this. 
it is we're, we're done with having to live like that we're done with having to bow down to these like essentially stupid but they have weapons people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, this shouldn't happen anymore yeah yeah it's a yeah, it's so- a kind of a, a, a i guess you'd say a plutocracy uh it's a sort of an aristocracy um but uh so i'm curious who are some of the leaders <clears throat> excuse me the leaders of the of the protest movement of of course other than aung san suu kyi <clears throat> but in, since she's under house arrest who are some of the people that, what are the names of of certain <laughs> leaders in the community that we should be watching out for or 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 looking the crazy thing is that there's there are no leaders <clears throat> really that is that is why like uh the people of Myanmar are saying we have never seen this before and now like Myanmar used to be a very divided country where each religion was pretty divided against each other like even the old and the young people were pretty mm. people didn't respect each other you know the old didn't respect the young <clears throat> the younger the old but now now there's a saying like generation z right mm-hmm. like the people my age 1996 to like 2003 something like that yeah like our creativeness and like our protests have actually gained respect from the old mm. the elders and for us young people now we understand the pain the elders has went through mm. so that is what i mean by like the country is suddenly becoming united by through this event and i would say like there is literally no leader right now it is just a collaborative effort saying So on the first on the first week of protest there was a lot of shortage of food so a lot of people on posted on Facebook oh uh food is needed food is needed the next week there was a lot of food so mm. for the next week people started saying okay there's too much food it might actually be a waste we need beautiful posters so <laughs> and now because our nation's 90% a theravada buddhism nation we are we are big on donations we are the biggest donators in the whole world actually like mm. like we are actually statistically by i don't know which uh which uh source but we are statistically like the most generous people on earth because as you know we the monks the theravada monks and only eat only uh eat food that is being donated only use right. things that are being donated so donation is a big big culture here so mm. like there There's all sorts of donation. Do you want food? Do you want drinks on the protest? You can you, you don't have to bring anything. Everything is provided there by mm. these different different groups of people and no one is leading them. So now this week there has been a lot of now this week uh this week the the focus was posters. So now there's a lot of beautiful and bright posters being donated everywhere, being handed out. And now another thing is uh, many of the youths like the taxi bill the uber bill has been a little too much so people has been asking for free rides and now suddenly there are like cars <laughs> so it is very heartwarming but very anxious so in the morning it's very heartwarming to see oh all these people being united but at night we live in fear and anxiety so right really a double edged sword <laughs> right right Now I wanted to ask you of course we spoke about this already uh, uh on our own but I want to for the sake of the viewer I wanted to ask you to to address just a little bit of the um 
the allegations of election fraud, particularly some of the, the, I guess we'd say the amplification of this that's coming from certain conservative sources in the United States. And just to give the viewer a little background, um, you know, I have some conservative friends here who were pro-Trump, um, who uh, in the last two weeks have been claiming that uh, that some of the the companies that made the voting machines, and I'm talking about, I believe, uh, Dominion and Smartmatic, some of the voting machines that were uh, supposedly implicated in voter fraud here in the United States, uh, that they actually showed up in Myanmar and that, that uh, Smartmatic and Dominion were partly responsible for the claimed uh, election fraud in Myanmar. And, uh, and I mean, I, I had done my, my own search on on Google about this and quickly found uh, AP and Reuters and, and other news sources saying, uh, debunking this immediately, that this was uh, thoroughly false. Uh, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about that in your in your own understanding. Um, I, I mean, was there any election interference involving some of these voting machines from these other companies that uh, I mean, that have been in the United States? What can you say about I, that? I mean, but like so the American conservative myth has already been debunked when they said voting machines, machine. Right. What, 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 what machine? You think we can afford machines? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're, we're already done there. <laughs> we're already done. You yeah. think we have machines? No, we we check our we check our letters with a stamp. Yeah. So then, that, what, what 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 is manipulation? There is no manipulation. You stamp a ballot. There are there are options. You stamp a you 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 stamp your vote, and then uh, you have to dip your ink. You have to dip your uh, pinky into an electromagnetic ink where it cannot be washed away for a week. Uh -huh. So th there are already these, um, what do you say, uh, security in place. And also, uh, there's also what is called the, oh, the Union of Electoral Commission. They have already denied that there is no dis discrepancies. But what mm -hmm. the military, the, mili the junta's main accuse accusation is that there are discrepancies between like um how do you say registered voter and number of voters uh, but the uec has already explained this this is due to COVID 19. Uh, like a lot of so a lot of uh, people in yangon a lot of labor comes from the villages the rural villages mm -hmm. the rural villages and usually they would go back to their um, home village to vote but because of COVID-19 restrictions, they had to vote in Yangon. So of yeah. course there's gonna be differences. But he couldn't he couldn't make up anything else. So <laughs> that is why he chose that. And you can see how desperate they are. They cannot find anything. Now, Aung San Suu Kyi has been filed with two charges. <laughs> Number one is under the import-export law, because they found four walkie-talkies at her home. That's the first charge, and now a second charge has been added so then they can detain her longer. Um, and that was under the uh, natural disaster law. So basically, like because she rallied with NLD, she broke the COVID 19 restriction. <laughs> wow. so you see how these bo they have to charge with these bogus laws because they cannot find anything else. They have uh, they have already searched through all of the NLDs. Um, headquarters, but they, they have found nothing. 
And that is why we also believe we are very close to winning because the junta has nothing but violence as his plan, we believe. They have nothing else. Like the civil disobedience is mo uh, movement is working. Uh, them trying to um, instill us fear at night is not working. Everyday protests are still happening. Mm. So we believe, uh, but then, but then it is best not to be optimistic, I would say. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm just so impressed with what, with what your country, with, with what the, the protesters and the, and the, 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 the freedom fighters for democracy have been doing with so little, with so little resources. I'm, I'm impressed that you've been able to, to just sort of move the public to, to donate this and donate that without having clear cut leaders. That's something I find that fascinating because most yeah. movements have to have some leaders. You have to have some Martin Luther Kings, some Gandhis. <laughs> of course, I guess you have the Aung San Suu Kyi, but the people who are, but I, I mean, I guess at this point, she's a figurehead. The people who are actually moving the movement are, are anonymous and they're yeah. doing an incredible job. Yeah, like, like in Hong Kong, in Thailand, like by this time, a leader would have already been, you know, pretty publicized and already been on the news, but we even as citizens there is actually no leader it is all of all of us because the the difference in america and other countries is that we are not a divided country against the military everyone hates the military everyone wants the nlb so that that is the only thing that we hope is different from other countries because the whole country is fighting for one cause there is no there is no red and blue. There is no yellow and black as in Thailand. There is no pro pro China and pro democracy like in Hong Kong. It is we we are we are one. We are, yeah, we are, we, are, we are one. That is why we say we are also very excited for the future. If we truly achieve a, a democratic government, then oh, the potential has been raised, I would say. Yeah. And I believe you will win. It's just a matter of time and and as you said, how many more people have to die before it happens? But I know you will win. Um, uh, now, let me ask you, uh, what is a typical day like for you? I know you said that you spend a lot of time protesting, but you have to do it during certain hours. It, you've, you've talked a little bit about this, but if you can just give us a rundown of a, of a typical day. What oh, time yeah. of the day do you start? And So, I mean, before the internet outages, I usually have to attend class from like 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., Right. So, I mean, usually I will wake up like at 12 or like 1 p.m. But now right. I wake up at 9, uh, like around 9 or 10 a.m. I start to protest at 11. So, I mean, but so I, I usually have two periods of protesting. The first period before lunchtime is donating, giving out water, giving out uh, snacks. That is usually before lunch. And then mm -hmm. after I have all my lunch, I usually go to the U.S. Embassy with uh, the English signboards and uh, start protesting. And then this ends around at maybe like uh, at four, around 4 p.m. And then I go home, shower, do, and I still gotta do some homework, right? Yeah. <laughs> do some homework. And at 8 p.m. now we have a ritual of banging pots and pants. Right. So at 8 p.m. we protest that way, spread some awareness yeah, on Instagram, um, and then, and then by 1 a.m. internet has been shut off. So now I we uh, we just rest, but you know anxious. That has yeah. been by week, 
my my daily schedule for two weeks now. That's that's shocking. So, but you said that the internet gets shut off by one a.m. And yeah. what time is what time is your class with me in oh, terms of your time? Your your class oh your class it was actually from we had twelve a.m. to one a.m. So it was okay. actually, it's actually uh, I, that's why I was able to attend your class on Wednesday. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I still try to attend classes, but I would say even doing homework is very inefficient right now. Like I would write two sentences and then like news is popping up. So, oh my God, some, what is happening? Uh, some violence is happening. Oh, and then basically two minutes of work and then five minutes of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I will always give you uh, excuses or extenuating circumstances because I, I understand what you're going through and, and I, I certainly want to uh, support you in what you're doing. So you'll, you'll never have an argument from me on that. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you're, you're headed for an A in this class just by the kinds of things we're involved in right now by, by uh, uh, raising awareness about, about this. Uh, because this is on some level, this is related to, to our topic in class. We're talking about the, 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 the confluence of different religions within a country, within a culture, how they interact with each other, how people understand each other, and how those, those religions are being uh, wrongly utilized by a corrupt government to, to pit people against each other. So, so you're seeing this, uh, you're seeing it in action. Yeah. yeah. Like, like actual manipulation using the religion as well. Yeah, I'm actually experiencing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I would also take, uh, I would like to take my time also like, thank you. Like, cause I'm really grateful to have this, uh, at least any type of platform, any type of uh, place to spread awareness because uh, I, I am truly grateful at this at this time where we where we are really desperate and right. Yeah. Well, it's it's my pleasure to help. You know, I I I know you were very polite towards me when you were asking about you didn't want to bother me during the weekend, but this is this is what I live for. I live for for trying to build bridges in the world, make peace, promote justice, and work towards interfaith dialogue. And this is this is obviously to do with. Uh, with building bridges and promoting justice. So, I mean, what what better thing could I be involved in during my weekend than to help in some small way to get information out about this? So I'm I'm honored that you would talk to me about this, that you would share this with me. So um, I this is this is the the most I don't know it's the most fulfilling and enjoyable thing that I could do with my weekend is to be be part of this in some way. I wish I could do more. I wish I could be there with you right now, but. I'll see what I can do about publicizing this. Yeah. Um, it's so, yeah. is there anything else that that you want to share a little bit about? We should probably try to wrap up uh, for the sake of uh, the viewers seeing a um, a video that's not too long. Anything else yeah. that that uh, you'd want to share about? Um, I think that's about it. But just the fact that I just want to stress again, we need help right now, immediately. Uh, yeah, we we we. Like I think, if more people do die, blood blood is on a lot of people's hands, and that really should be avoided. Death should at all points be avoided. So, to stress about the situation right now is really important. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that's it's that's very very important, and I hope that we can help with that in in some way. And I would suggest, if if you're willing. 
let's even keep checking in on this from time to time. If I can raise awareness about this, then maybe, I don't know, maybe once every couple of weeks or something like that, we could have a follow-up and you can talk about what things have changed, what has stayed the same, maybe some there are, there are different needs that we that we might be able to help with. So if you're amenable to that, let's let's have a part two or a part three. Yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah. We, so, we really hope something something will shift or like we will start to see an end game by like the next week when the UN Security Council has held their meeting and our strikes keep on going. Right. Yeah, Fantastic. Well, let me just say a few things to the, the viewer in, um, in conclusion. So I would ask my conservative friends to refrain from, from reading Trump into this election. Um, please see this as what it is, as described by my, my friend here, a corrupt military regime that has taken over a democratically elected government. There are a lot of brave people protesting in the streets, putting their lives, their very lives on the line for their democracy, and a corrupt regime is now killing people. Um, this is, and, and I want to I wanna sort of phrase this very carefully uh, in response to some of the things that we saw here uh, in the January 6th protests in the United States. This is their 1776. All right, this is uh, Myanmar's 1776, and we need to support them in their fight for democracy. No government is perfect. And I know that I, along with others, have criticized the administration of Aung San Suu Kyi in the past for ignoring the plight of the Rohingya in order to pacify and placate the military junta in order to avoid a complete takeover. And that is exactly what has happened, despite their attempts at appeasement. And in fact, it is the military junta that has carried out the ethnic cleansing. But the democratically elected civil government is the people's choice, and we need to support their freedom to vote. And what my student has suggested here is that if the military junta were not in a position of complete tyranny, maybe the Rohingya crisis may have been dealt with in a more peaceful way. So how do we help those of us who are here in the United States and abroad? Well, every regime needs outside investments and international support. We need to reach out to our elected representatives, our congresspeople, our senators, our governors, and our new president, President Biden. We need to tell these officials to pay attention to what is happening in Myanmar, to condemn the military junta, to demand a return of the de democratically elected government, and to ensure that we withhold any monetary or military aid to a regime that is not democratically elected. This is what we can do and spread the word. Tell people about this video and others that are sharing the truth about what is going on in Myanmar. This should be a household word. Myanmar should be a household word. We cannot afford to ignore this. If anyone is unfree, then no one is free. So remember the hashtags, what's happening in Myanmar, and hashtag save Myanmar. So anyway, Ang, I want to thank you for your time, and I want to thank you for what you're doing in Myanmar and for the world. Uh, you're showing the rest of the world that this can be done uh, peacefully, uh, and it can be done without weapons. Um, and honestly, you've, you're, you're one of my heroes. Um, I respect what you're doing, and I admire what you're doing, and... and uh, if I were in, in a similar situation, I would only hope to be able to do half of what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Sure. That is truly an honor. Okay. So I'm going to stop recording here, and I'm going to uh, say goodnight to our viewers.